Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arter. Welcome back. Another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Matthew and I are joined by our dear old friend, and I don't mean that as in calling him old, as in he is a longtime friend of the podcast, Paul Padilla. By my count, this is Paul's 11th appearance on the podcast. That is a definite record other than, of course, how many times Matthew's been on the show. And it was great to talk to him via Zoom from his home in Texas. Now, before we get started on the show, I do need to give a shout out to a new Tutti Fruity, Ryan C. Hey, Ryan C., official shout out. If you want to be like Ryan C. and get your own official shout out, plus a lot of other cool stuff like weekly extras from the show, another different monthly podcast that Matthew and I do called TV Talkaholics, those are all available through our Patreon feature. Is that what they call it now? Patreon feature? Uh, It's just a nice way of saying if you send money, you get a little more stuff. But if you don't send money, if you don't sponsor the show through Patreon, that's okay. I'm still going to be here, and I'm still going to be doing this show. I promise you. Anyway, let's all join together, join hands, join hearts, minds, and spirits in welcoming Ryan C. to the family. Now, moving on to this week, Paul Padilla joined me and Matthew in discussing Season 7, Episode 13, Christmas Baby, which had an original air date of December 14th, 1985. Are you ready to jump on in? Let's face the facts with Paul Padilla. Welcome back, Paul Padilla. Hey, David, how are you? I'm awesome. It's so good to see your face again. It's so good to see. I feel like it's been a long time. Probably hasn't, but I feel and like it has. No, it hasn't been. The last time you were here was um, in February. Okay, that's not that's not too long. That's that was that was surprisingly it, the difference between where we were in February. Yes. Versus now. But yeah, that was when we did. Right back uh, where we were. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Thank you, pandemic. Yay. But it was the me and Eleanor. It was the one where Tootie uh, had the play that Natalie wrote for her. And uh, when we had Ken Reed on a few weeks ago, he did point out the fact that he said, so Natalie's a writer and they're really leaning hard into that. Is she a good writer? I don't think she is. I don't think so either, because in the in the later episodes, when she reads portions of her stuff, you're like, that's not very good. Like, not even a little bit. So uh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know, you know. Well, and the other thing is we talked about uh, specifically how there was always this journalistic bend. It was either, uh, you know, for the school paper or something like that. Like, it was always more of an expository type of writing. And then we suddenly are in this, the diner, come back to the truck stop, Natalie Green, Natalie Green, where she's trying to do like a Jack Kerouac, Natalie on the road. It's like, oh, so is, is she a creative? Is she a, a novelist, a, a memoirist now? What? And in a couple of seasons, she goes back to doing like somebody's downbeat summer or something. You know, like she starts doing all these weird things for 
magazines that she can't sell. And so, yeah, I don't know. She's just trying to find her voice, David. She's trying to find her voice. Yeah, Natalie, she's a little lost this season. And and I don't mind that. I've said before, I like the structure of uh, her not being in school, of them having a little bit more freeform uh, ability for her to uh, do different things. And uh, we're, we're going to touch upon that in this episode here. Uh, I believe Matthew overslept. So Matthew will be joining us, but let's get the nuts and bolts taken care of here. Season seven, episode 13, Christmas Baby. Original air date, December 14th of 1985. Uh, gotta say it, next week, we're going to be doing 2D Learns to Drive or whatever that one's called. And Tootie Learns to Drive played the following week on December 21st. Huh, that's weird. So, so this Christmas episode is happening in the middle of the month and we still have one coming up that has no Christmas theming whatsoever that I, that I can recall. Yeah, they could have used those beautiful poinsettias again. <laughs> All over this set for this one. <laughs> yep. So, so true. Well, this show was directed by John Boab, as always, as ever. It was written by David Lerner and Bruce Ferber. We've had them on once before. They've written two episodes. This is the second of the two, second and final. The first one that they wrote was Teacher Teacher earlier this season when Joe is like, I want to be a teacher. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, so, yeah, but David Lerner would go on to write for Bosom Buddies, Laverne and Shirley, uh, as well as uh, an episode of Newhart in 1990. And then his credits kind of end. And then Bruce Ferber would go on to produce most of the episodes of Home Improvement. Good morning, sleepyhead. Oh, God, you people are awake early. <laughs> Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hello, Paul. <laughs> so, Matthew, are you are you uh, awake now? You're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Did you did you have a rough night? Did you did you work, or did you, or is it just an insomnia thing? No, I just don't. I don't know. I have no reason to be up in the morning. So, did you start rehearsals, Matthew, for Halloween? We did overnight rehearsal on Sunday morning at 3.30 in the morning. So my schedule's been messed up ever since then a little bit, but oh. like I was awake earlier, but then I laid down for a nap because mm -hmm. I had to get up and go pee. So that was exhausting. <laughs> and then I, I went back to bed, but. So are we ready to attack this now that we've had our fantastic reunion Yep. And we've been we've been talking and BSing a lot. And dear listeners, you will never hear a lot of it because we were dishing some dirt about that. Remember that guy, that thing we said about that guy? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. I wish but, you wouldn't call Joe a guy. I no, wish. <laughs> that's not what I was talking about, dear. But um, yeah, we already went through our nuts and bolts, Matthew. So uh, oh, we... thank God, I missed it. I mean, yeah. oh no, I missed it. Yeah, but now I was going to talk about the girls' ages for a while. Oh, thank God, I'm here for that. <laughs> Actually, no, we do not need to. Did we get Paul's synopsis of the of the show yet? Oh no, we have not. But we know he loves doing it. What'd you say? 
I said, I hate those, but yeah. <laughs> so knowing that you hate it, Paul Padilla, my guest, mm. I think this is what your 74th appearance on the show yep. by now. Yeah. You should know the drill. This is where you are being put on the spot, my friend. Please give us a one to two sentence synopsis of this episode, similar to what you might find in a TV guide. The girls get an unexpected Christmas surprise when Monica, Blair's mother, goes into labor six weeks early. That's it. That's there it. we go. There yeah. we go. See, all I had was some. Um... Procrastinator Joe is now in a bind on Christmas. <laughs> yes, yeah, let's see, that's good. But, you know, honestly, I, I went ahead, I just wanted to look and see, like, if I could find what TV Guide said about this episode, you know, just to see. Did you look it up? I looked it up, and I, there was different sources. I don't know if one was TV Guide, one was whatever, but it honestly just said, Blair's mother goes into labor. <laughs> yeah, that's all it needs to be. Yeah, and they were just like over it at this point. They were just like, yep, she goes into labor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. But I used to always read those synopsises, you know, to see what was going to happen that week or whatever. But yeah. Oh, so sure. Like, yeah. Well, are we ready to get into the microscopic dissection? Um, I I'm just going to say it. Not a lot happens in this show. It's a big episode because Monica having a baby, that is a big deal. But yeah. plot wise, in terms of it's literally they're doing Christmas stuff. And then Monica goes into labor unexpectedly on Christmas Eve and we go to commercial. When we come back from commercial, we're in the hospital. Certainly not the place where she expected to have a baby. And... Monica has the baby while the others wait. And then at the end, we see the baby and they sing a Christmas carol. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for Great. coming in, everybody. Great job. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm just happy and I'm going to be the positive one in this because I'm just happy we get an episode with Fudge Doucet. No. Fudge no. Doucet. Marge. Matthew keeps calling her Fudge, and I don't know why. Because you hate the word Marge. You hate the name Marge. I just think, just think it's, it sounds like Fudge. <laughs> so uh, all of the guest actors on the show, all the people who play the supporting roles, including the nurse, the guy at the desk at the hospital, the doctor, all of these people, this is their only appearance on the Facts of Life. And there isn't really anybody who had a credit where it was like, oh my God, this is the actress who did this thing in this show. They're all just pretty solid character actors who have done a lot of other work. And uh, I will allow uh, you, dear listeners, to do your own fucking work for once. Google them yourself. What am I, your mother? I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, but you know, the guy that was the the typewriter at the hospital? Yeah, the um, yeah. the receptionist, yes. Receptionist, you know, he, I always thought he was kind of cute when I was a kid, uh, but the, I was watching like two days ago, like one of those Sundays where you just didn't do anything and I laid in bed and Pretty Woman came on and I watched, I started watching Pretty Woman and he has like the second line in the whole movie. Like it's the, it's like the, the, the opening scene and then he's like, he has like the second line. And I was saying, hey, that's the guy that 
What, what's in. the second line? $20 for a blowjob? Was that or what? Something it? Like that. Yeah, something like that. Very quickly. He was like a Wall Street guy. Um, yeah. Something like Interesting. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a actor. His name is Bill Applebaum. And he has sporadic credits in small roles in big movies like that. That's a perfect example of he's got a tiny little thing in a movie that everybody knows. Sure. Uh, but he is a Second City Chicago alum. So he's a an improv guy and he currently runs Actors Improv Studio in North Hollywood, which he founded. And I did go to their website and with the, you know, California being so particularly vigilant in the pandemic, they're shut back down again. So it was like, ah, classes were about to resume, but we've had to stop. And uh, those are the little schools that you hope will survive. You hope that we can get a grip on on all this craziness so that uh, artists like that don't have to close up shop and uh, things like that. But I think probably the most interesting uh, guest role is sort of uh, what kicks off the entire episode, the narrative device, as it were, is that the show is narrated by a voice of a little girl who turns out to be Bailey, the baby that Blair's mother gives birth to. Paul, you are waving your hand and you have got great discomfort on your face. Oh my gosh. Since I was a kid, I mean, I just, I, I hated the voice like right away. I hated it. I thought this is, I have to listen to this. This is who I have to What? Yeah. I hated the voice as a kid. Um, and I don't mean to be an asshole, but like, you know how they say all babies were beautiful. They picked the ugliest baby. <laughs> possibly find in this opening sequence it's the ugliest baby i've ever seen in my life it was not a cute baby and so i thought this is supposed to be a warner you know and i just was like i can't i can't i can't so don't you want her to come out with like big blonde hair and fucking false eyelashes (laughs) on baby you know i mean this baby she was like this weird long nose and like it was just really weird. It was, I'm sorry, but it, all babies are ugly when they're born. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. It's true. All of them are. Yeah. The, um, the, the idea of baby pictures happening. My, my mother had worked in hospitals most of her career, taking a, a big break in the middle to raise her family. But uh, before she was married, so when she was working in hospitals in the early 60s, Mom told me that she's like, they never took pictures of newborns putting a baby for because they were like, nobody wants to see that or record that. And then the first hospital that decided to try it out, of course, everyone is like, my baby is so beautiful. Everyone thinks their own baby is gorgeous. And you know, a franchise was born, but initially it was, it was just common sense. Like, no, not right after it come out. No. No, I've had many friends who, you know, have had children and, you know, you have to be like, oh my gosh, your baby's so beautiful. Like on Facebook. And I'm like, that is the ugliest baby I've ever seen. But then luckily, you know, like in a year or so, they kind of grow into these features and they look okay now. I'm like, oh, he's cute now. You know what I mean? But to have to fake that, Oh, I'm so you guys are so blessed. I'm like, but when they don't grow out of it, though, that like today's the first day of school. I was looking at Facebook and everybody's posting the pictures of their kids going to school. And you just look at them. You're like, oh, God, that's the face only a mother could love. Uh." (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that ugly bastard. Oh, God. Wow. Jesus yeah. Christ. Wow. Honey, it's yeah. But yeah, I will agree. The baby, like, I watched the baby because I thought it was a fake baby mm-hmm. at first because it's awfully yoda like looking like yeah. it's like weirdly like it's a weird looking baby but i completely agree with the voice and what's interesting is that girl's career is as a voice actress like yes she has, i think rarely appeared in anything but She's her a- voice is in everything she was in that episode where they were at the at the at the radio station you know, when uh, Joe was had to do the radio station. And she no, was friends. that her? The girl that calls Mrs. Garrett to say that her boyfriend wants to have sex. And she's and oh. Garrett, oh, it's the exact same actress. When I heard that voice, I thought she, she was the, the college girl that was afraid of her boyfriend. Yeah. Okay, here's my thing. When I heard this voice, and hopefully you know, listeners uh, did watch the episode, my first thought was, ooh, they hired a child actor. And, and this is rough because the voice has that, it almost sounds like a Peanuts cartoon where the first image we see is Blair in Scrubs. And the first things you hear is, you're probably wondering who I am. I'm Bailey, Blair's sister. That's me with my mom. Anyway, here's the story. And this is how I came into the world. Like, it sounds like a, a um, you know how you don't want your child actors to be too presentational and too rehearsed? You want them to be some sort of a naturalness to them? This is one where it sounds like they went too far the other direction. Like the director or a producer just said, hey, you know, my daughter would love to come in. She'd get a kick out of it. Could she, you know, come in the studio and record? It sounds to me like an inexperienced child actor. And then to look up and see that Noel North, who does the voice of Bailey, that's who is credited with it, at least on IMDb, she is 36 years old. She's an adult. This is a performance. And uh, she was in Carrie back in 1976. She's one of Carrie's classmates. She's at the prom. She's, uh, I, I forget where on the internet I saw this, but they like track where you see her uh, in the thing. I think she's wearing a yellow dress. I think she's in yellow. Um, but I was, I was gobsmacked that this was an adult and this was the approach. I'm trying to think what I think would have been better. Would it have better to do an adult doing a younger person's voice? Like, like the way Nancy Cartwright does Bart Simpson. I, I, it's funny you say she sounds like a peanut character because I thought she sounded like a Rankin and Bass kind of voiceover. Like, the, I wanted to scratch my eyeballs out the line reading, but Blair, it's Christmas. <laughs> Is I, I was like, oh, I can't with her. Uh, it's, but, it's really, I mean, I think we are in agreement. I don't know anybody who has heard or seen this episode and thought, oh, God, I love that voiceover. Mm-hmm. I think we can say it is empirically bad. Glad, good on the actress. She still has a career and clearly is good at what she does. But whatever this choice was, if this was a directorial choice that she just said, okay, I'm reading it the way you're fucking telling me to. But 
Ooh. I was actually surprised because in my head, I always thought that this person must be like the daughter of a producer or the daughter of somebody. Because if she did that other episode where she was in college and then did this episode, why would they use this voice? I thought it would be, you know, nepotism or something. But no, you just you tell me today that she has a career. She had a career, you know. Yeah. And if so you had said this was her only credit, if if IMDb had one thing listed, it would have been like, yep, that tracks. It was yeah. just she was somebody's daughter. She was a. Uh, you know, one of the crew had a niece. Uh, the, the original kid got sick and they were just like, hey, hey, yo, you can you realign? Okay. So anyway, all right. So we are all in perfect agreement about the voiceover. I don't know if I would have liked the narrative device better if it had been a different read. I don't love it. I'm not sure that it really buys us anything, does it? Oh. <clears throat> It didn't for me. I, I I wondered, like, why and who and, but it, I mean, it was an interesting approach. But you know, I mean, hey, Mr. Lerner and Mr. Ferber, the writers, you are artists. Try new things, get a different angle. You know, throw something to the wall, see what sticks. But uh, this, I don't think this stuck. I don't think it really paid off. I don't think at the end we didn't really get. Did we get like a final wrap up from her? Um, what was the last thing that the baby said? Oh, oh, think, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I think maybe when you're in the hospital, talk about her name, like this name, Jaja, whatever. I want this name, I want that name. Okay, fine. I think that might be it, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's when they're naming her and they come out with, Blair says she wants to name her after, is it grandpa? And wants to name her Bailey. And it's like, um, okay. I... I Wasn't your grandpa in the KKK? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't your grandpa Carlton Blair? Yeah, yeah. Because the only way your grandfather could not have the last name Warner is if it's Monica's dad. We already went through this with uh, with the, the library. So it's like, if you named it after grandpa, Carlton was, I believe, Monica's father's name. So that's a little weird. That's a show Bible moment uh, fail. Um so, but she, that's where she comes out with Bailey. And then you hear the baby go, I hate it. And then it's like, <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe of calling her Diana. And Blair's like, but then they'll be calling her Princess Di her whole life. I could live with that. And it's. Oh, is that the joke? I could live with that? Because she's not no, alive stop. anymore. <laughs> no, this is this. We could not have ever seen. We could not have foreseen the tragic early demise of Princess Diana. How dare you, Matthew? I do remember in 1985, though, thinking that that was the worst name. Again, you had the ugliest baby and the worst possible name. Uh, now I know lots of Baileys that are girls that I like. You know what I mean? I think now for me, it's just it's, it's, an, it's an easy name. But uh, I did, didn't know any girl named Bailey at the time. And uh, yeah. so I thought it was a horrible name, but you know. Yeah, it is weird. It's like when Murphy Brown named her, named her son Avery. It's like, that was the, you know, kind of the beginnings, this and then getting into the nineties was the beginnings of, you know, we have to name our child, you know, cathode ray tube zip liner because it's a unique name that only our unique special baby can have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Bailey was, I was going, yeah, okay. Now it's, it, the, the name totally flies now, but back then that was it. So yes, I think you're right, Paul, that the last time we hear the voice of Bailey, it's when she is 
arguing about not liking her name. And then when they finally decide, nope, it's going to be Bailey. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. I, I, I just want to adopt a very detached, breathy voice to do the voice of this child. It was really rough getting there. Things got boring. But then when I woke up, mom and sis were trimming the tree. Then it hit me, the craving. And that's when Monica has a craving for sugar, for a candy cane. But it's, uh, oof. Yeah, to this day, I was watching it, rewatching it, you know, and yeah, I thought still, you know, I'm yeah. 36 now, you know, so I still feel the same way. Yeah, and, and with that being the last time we hear her talk, that's, uh, it's, there, is, there isn't as good a payoff. I don't know what payoff I wanted or what I would do. I didn't really think that far ahead as far as, you know, my, my weekly rewrite of the episode, but I feel like there's- At the end, but I still think it's the most awkward ending. <laughs> That's just me, but yeah. yeah. It, it is, it totally is. Well, since I've kind of gone through like the, the synopsis of the generals of what happened, let's just, uh, speaking of throwing things to the wall, seeing what sticks, uh, throw out something that you, you want to discuss, something about the episode. Well, first off for me, thank you for asking. <laughs> first off for me, I, and I, I, I should know this. God knows I've been watching every episode along with it. But we, we've, we've changed character direction this year. There's no doubt about it. We've changed nope. everything we've ever really known about the characters, which I'm okay with. That's fine. I get it. But has Natalie always been so borscht belty? Like, or is it just every episode now we've got to, like, I get it. Like you watch the Golden Girls in it now and you're like, Jesus Christ, Rose told a St. Olaf story just about every week. Like mm -hmm. when you're watching them one after the other, you're like, oh, OK, they are really batting us over the head with the fact that she tells St. Olaf stories. But mm -hmm. like it seems like now we've got to establish that Natalie is the I refuse to pay $30 an hour to fall down. Like yeah. everything is just delivered. But with her this. ski weekend, Jews. But, but Buddy Hackett used to do an actual thing about, you know, I don't ski. Jews don't ski. It's like we have a special bone in the ankle called the Jew bone. And as soon as you get on the ski slope, it snaps. It's like it, it's so it, it is a direct reference to a Buddy Hackett routine. And um, Natalie, what what happened to you? Number one, we're going to go to Europe. Number two, gave all your money away so that you could help run the shop. Number three, went on your bike tour to become Jack Kerouac's, you know, next legacy. And now you had the money to go off on a, a ski trip during the winter on your own. It wasn't a we are going skiing with with the family or with with Tootie or whoever. Uh, it's just like, okay, where did that come from? And, and then she's really, she's really dolled up too. You know what I mean? Like her, her outfit was very nice to be like, I'm going on a train to go skiing. And she had like this long, nice. She was wearing on. a dress with pants under it. It looked oh, like. It. She had like a brooch thing. And I'm like, you're getting on a train. You're going skiing. Like it, yeah. it, it, very high resort ski weekend with, you know, pe with peeps, but. Yeah. yeah. And and the outfit she wore would have looked very at home on Molly Pecan if her grandmother had showed up. It was one of those 80s, you know, teenagers in the 80s, 45 year olds. You cannot tell the difference. Yeah. So big ass shoulder pads full almost down to the knee. 
no waist, this, this drapey long scarf draped around and secured with a brooch around the shoulders, not a scarf like, around like the neck. Wedding outfit, like a grandmother's wedding outfit. Like you would wear that to a wedding. Like, you know? like a mother of the bride type of a thing. Yeah. And pants underneath it. It's like, what? Uh, well, so going skiing after all day, but, but you're going to go skiing in this. Yeah. And so, yeah, this Natalie going skiing and then that the plans are what I'm going skiing. I'm just going to rent a wheelchair. That way I'm going to save time. I'm not going to pay $30 for a thing. You're totally right. It's like, okay, but you you're going there. Why are you going there to do something you clearly don't want to do? And you're fairly certain you're going to get injured doing. I mean, for, for comic purposes, it's like, yeah, no, you're right, Matthew. You are totally right that she is in um, I've been, I keep swapping back and forth between Annika Harry and Miracle Max. But yeah. that's really what we're we're getting a lot of here, and and she is an expert. She is magnificent at it. But yeah. writers, writers, yeah. come on, you can do better. It never fails to get a laugh, but it's just so like all of a sudden. I feel like every every episode, she's she's getting more and more like, and it's especially weird that I noticed it in the Christmas episode. And not one acknowledgement of the fact that she is not Christian. Yeah. <laughs> the fact That's... that, uh, oh, uh, like nobody even says, oh, how are you? Are you celebrating Hanukkah this year, Natalie? Nope. She gets yeah. presents. She sings a Christmas song at the end about Jesus being born. And, <laughs> you're right. Uh, I, not even an acknowledgement. Like if you're going to make her all borscht belty, I mean, at least a comment like, oh, I, I never celebrated Christmas. So you people are you, are you, you know, it could be a whole thing like, oh, you people in your presence, because every moment Tootie's like, let's open presents, let's open presents, let's open presents. But Natalie's also kind of like, let's get to the presents, let's get to the presents. But yeah. anyway. She likes her presents. When she got like for that one episode, she got like for Hanukkah, she got like a coat and she had like a stereo and they talked about it. She wanted this stereo or something. Yeah. From the Edna's edibles at times, but yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the only times, you know, that and then her funeral for her dad. But you know, you don't, you don't, they don't talk about it that much in mm -hmm. all years, all the episodes. You know? I would have liked a little acknowledgement of of Natalie being Jewish, but that's just me I, wanting representation in an '80s sitcom. And <laughs> it's like when her happen. dad died, she sat shiva. They explained about having the mirrors covered. I mean, it's not like. They're trying to soft pedal it. It's it. It would so be there, and you have a room full of Jewish vaudevillian joke writers. They couldn't have come up with something. Yeah, a, a menorah joke, a pun, something to do with a, a dreidel. Anyway, uh, what else, Paul? What do you want to discuss about the episode? What what's something that you noticed? I'm one of those people that always enjoyed it when Monica came around because I love. Uh, so much you know what i mean i just love her she's so classy and stylish and and just the way she delivers things it's just it's just very easy and just easy to listen to easy to watch she has a mm -hmm. lot of great little moments you know where she reacts to things and just how she can deliver a line and it's just it's beautiful actually to watch and so i've always enjoyed when she comes on the show mm -hmm. so, yeah. good old good old fudge I mean, um, my favorite line, David, in the whole thing, and I know neither of you even noticed it, when Monica gets there wearing her pillow. Uh -huh. <laughs> changes sizes, changes shapes. It so is so obviously a fake pregnancy I, belly. It is so fake looking. 
how has Hollywood never been able to create uh, like you remember how big they made Candace Bergen? Like, do you oh remember God. how like and it just like I just don't understand how we can make the Terminator, but we can't make a woman look believably pregnant. Right <laughs> it's there. true. It's like, true. I, I just will never understand. Yeah. But it, my, it's not even like a, a plastic thing with no. like a pillow. You it know, it looks a like pillow. a fucking pillow. It mm-hmm. genuinely does. Yeah. When she's laying in bed and labor towards the end, it's like, yeah, that's clearly a pillow. But my favorite line is when, and I don't know if it's a sitcom trope. And I was thinking about this. And I was trying to think of another example of it. Is it's always whenever there's a pregnancy or, you know, somebody's about to go into labor without any kind of backstory, one person has suddenly become the expert on pregnancy. And they are the now, oh, oh, you can't eat this. Oh, you can't do the the one person who is not the mother is always the person that is overboard about the pregnancy. And I just I was like, okay, like, I, I guess. But my favorite line is when they sit Monica down and they go, can we get you anything? And Edna says, what does Edna say? You remember what Edna says? Uh cookies she goes can i get you anything monica i've made my special christmas cookies wink 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 (laughs) everybody gonna get high tonight it's christmas oh and they're gonna show up with her weed cookies (laughs) she'll have yogurt matthew she'll have yogurt yeah oh but I, I did not notice that, of course, Mrs. Garrett having cookies. That, of course, is is uh, expected. But you're well, right, Matthew. That is expected that they're her special cookies because mm-hmm. we all know that edibles was a drug front. And, you know, she tried to get out. But just when she got out, they sucked her back in. Even right. even burning the place down and trying to skip town and failing at that, redoing yeah. over our head. She's, she's like, I, I got to go back to it, man. I got to go back. And as a gay kid in 1985, I was obsessed with Blair's sweater. I thought it was beautiful. Like I wanted it for All myself. the sequins, the sequins. Uh, I had like some black sequins or whatever. She had just a little shoulder pad action. Like I just thought it was the prettiest thing. But yes. I knew that I knew I was a Natalie. I strived to be a Blair, but I was Natalie through and through. And I still, <laughs> you know, I still am. But, you know, I loved her fashion. So, yeah. But the Christmas cookies line reminded me of a Christmas day that I spent at a customer service window back in the day and a friend showed up on that morning and and he gave me a cookie a single cookie in a bag and he said merry christmas and i was like well that's very sweet bring me a special especially to me a cookie and then around break time he looked at me and he goes did you eat your cookie yet and i said no i'm waiting for my break time so and um, I went on break and I ate the cookie and I thought, this doesn't taste good. It's just, <laughs> oh, and I don't want to be insulting, but it, it's like real tasted, real earthy. And I got back and I was like, oh, I had my cookie. It was good. Yummy. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 yum. And um, about an hour later, I was helping a customer at my customer service window and I realized I was so high, I couldn't <laughs> even see straight. 
And it was Christmas Day, one of the busiest days of the year at this customer service window. And they, I was, I literally don't know how I made it through the day without being fired. Like I sat in the corner and put stickers on guide maps because that was all I could muster to do. And everybody in the place knew I was high except the manager and everybody was covering for me because I was literally like the I'm I'm the annoying kid when I get high like it it is when I smoke weed or whatever it, I'm the I'm the kid that's like doesn't shut up it gets the munchies like it's like the first time every time wow I, so I, I just watched was, like Gilmore Girls and I think it's like Schindler's List like the best movie I've best thing I've ever seen on TV you know what I mean yeah. I want to eat <laughs> I love to watch TV that's all I do but, um, I have never been high in my life. <laughs> well, la da. da. I I don't say that as a brag at all. I say it in terms of it's like, oh, that's uh, at this stage at, at at my age and the time we live in. That's that's actually kind of sad. I have a question, David. And yes, Matthew, you're the senior here, and I feel How like you're you? the you're the appropriate one to ask because you were actually around when this was a thing. Um, and neither Paul nor I were. So um, when Monica says they start playing um, um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah. By yeah. what's his guts? Not Bill Cosby. Who Bruce sings Spring that song? Springsteen. 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 I don't know that it was him. It might have been a sound alike, but it was that version of it. Do you remember um, that album, a, a Chris, the, that Matthew, that album that came a very special Christmas. It was like, it was big, big, big back in the eighties. It was a cassette. It was like different people. It was for charity, but like different world used it. A lot of eighties sitcoms, Christmas episodes used songs from that. So anyway, moving on. I loved it. Monica says, David, I want to boogie. And then begins dancing with the wonderful George Clooney. My question to you is, was that a word that people actually used? Like, did anybody ever call you up? Like when, when people were dancing, would anybody without any sense of irony, like now, if you start dancing, David, I'd be like, okay, he can boogie. Like, yeah. and it would be ironic. Or I might say like, but did anybody ever like call up somebody and be like, oh God, you guys, I just want to go to a club. I just want to boogie this weekend. Like, was that an actual word that people use? Like, like it, I, I, I would say, was, yes, I yeah, believe it was. Good. But by 1985, it was a mom term. That's like the way we joke and we say, oh, we're so hip. We know, you know, we're, we're, we're jivey with all the with all the youngins, the, the thing. So uh, I Monica saying I want a boogie. That's a, it's a mom term. So. That's what my recollection is. But I'm pretty sure in the late 70s when disco was going on, I was just a kid. I just want to make that clear. Um, so I wasn't out at Studio 54 doing rails of coke. I, I waited till I was 12, 1980. I missed uh, you. I missed you, David. But yeah. <laughs> but um, the yeah, I think the I love the nightlife. I got to boogie. And she is at that age where she would have said boogie, you know, because yeah. the 70s. You know, on your roller skates. Yeah, the I, the answer to your question, Matthew, is yes. There, I'm fairly sure that in the '70s up to the disco era, that that boogie was a term used non-ironically. 
And then by the 80s, it was definitely out of fashion, but it is appropriate. Monica would be the one to use it because she's just, a mom. It's such a weird word to me. Like, I just can't, like groovy. Like, I don't know how often that was actually said. Like my mom was telling me, like when we would watch the Brady Bunch and they would throw groovy out, she'd be like, nobody ever used that word. Like it wasn't like when she, my mom was in the high, well, she was in Fort Wayne in the sixties. And she was like, I, I, she's like, nobody, and nobody walked around and was like, Hey, that's groovy. Nobody, nobody ever said that like in their daily yeah. conversation. But yeah. I just, so I just wondered the same thing about Boogie, but my favorite thing in the whole episode, and I'm sorry, I'll just say it. I'm just going through my own notes. Screw all y'all's notes. If you don't want to, what you want to talk about. I wrote down <clears throat> Monica's going into labor. Thank God, Mrs. Garrett, the registered nurse is there. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. That's not in my notes. Oh, my God. And this is where Natalie says, um, you know, Mrs. Garrett, you grew up on a farm. What do we do? And she says, get her to a hospital. And again, Borscht Belt, Natalie, we have so much to learn from your rural knowledge or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, it's yeah, it never occurred to me. Well, clearly she let this her nurse's license lapse. But, but there's your chance for a show by a woman and a joke. Mrs. Mrs. Garrett, you're a nurse. She could have been like uh, uh, for a foot yeah. doctor or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you used to be a nurse. I mean, that yeah. would be fine. Mrs. Garrett, you were you were once a nurse. What do we do and have her for, like, for like, an ophthalmologist? I, I was a nurse. I was a nurse for a podiatrist. Should we clip her toenails? He's like, hop in my plane and I'll take you over to the hospital myself because I can fly the damn thing. You're right. You're totally right. Missed opportunity. And I they think... do kind of imply that like it's Christmas Day. So like it was difficult to find a hospital that was open on yeah. Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. And when we come to the hospital at the beginning of Act Two, you would think that they were out driving around and had broken down in Mayberry. Yeah. For how they're talking about like, this is some type of a rinky dink backwoods facility yeah. when it's like, you're, you're in Peekskill. Peekskill has a hospital. It says yeah. it's the closest one we could find. I'm like, but Peekskill's not that big. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you could find another one if you needed to, but. Yeah. Well. It, very weird and how they they talk about it. and then you know the receptionist who is like oh, people like you know whoa big fucking deal i i don't get it it's like you take issue i take issue i take issue you. Um, like the uh the 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 characters in the hospital though i thought they were all very capable of delivering what they were supposed to do you know um yeah the, doctor, the, the the nurse uh you know they they, they had their lines you know they they did their job with what they were given. And, you know, I, I didn't mind having them there. Yeah. Now, we do have a show Bible moment here that does track and also answers uh, questions that I have had in the past. When the, the, the desk, the front desk guy, receptionist asks Blair, okay, what is the patient's name? Blair says, Monica Eloise Warner Longdale Hopwood. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so the the old days when I was thinking that for some reason Blair's dad was not her first husband and they couldn't have gone to college together, clearly he was. And uh, I've already gone into that in detail. And this now confirms that initially I was wrong, but the show did help us figure it out. But if you're going to list all of her last names, Blair, 
Monica Eloise, assuming Eloise is her middle name. Warner Longdale Hopwood. Blair's mother was introduced to us as being a three-time divorcee. This new husband, the father of her baby, to whom she is still married, there should technically be a fourth name there. Am I right? She, oh, she was a three-time divorcee. I see what you're saying. So Not yeah. three times married, but three times divorced. So this would have been her fourth husband. Is this what you're saying? Yes. And we know that her maiden name is Blair because the grandfather after whom the library was originally going to be named was Carlton Blair. And that's how we know where Blair's name comes from. So her name is actually Monica Eloise Blair Warner Longdale Hopwood question mark. Mm -hmm. Whoever this is, it Stephen? Is that what they called the the man when she yes. when she announced she was pregnant? Um, this Steve episode also had the longest recap I've, I've seen. You know where they're like last time on the Facts of Life or previously. They basically played the whole episode where she told her she was pregnant. I was like, oh my god, we're still watching. I mean, and it was the same. I didn't realize that it was the same season. Like it was like a few episodes later. It was like oh. hey, have the baby. Oh, you know Paul. I mean? In my head, I thought it was like the next season they had the baby, but no. Oh, no. It was October. It was Halloween when she showed up with ne'er a baby bump anywhere right. showing yeah. when she announced that she was pregnant. And now two months later, not even two months later, it's like seven weeks later. She has a, <laughs> she has a big pillow in her bed. She has a big ass pillow. And she's allegedly six weeks early. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I said back in that old, when we were doing the original um, episode with that, I said, well, clearly, you know, the privilege of the rich and the 1%, she clearly got some type of a pregnancy speed pass that she yeah. paid extra for to incubate this baby. Uh, yeah, get it done. And wasn't she still like in a soap opera at the time? I felt like she was doing a soap opera. I would see her on TV and then, so she was doing both, I guess. Yeah. I think so. I think she was, I forget what her big one was that Marge was on, yeah. but I think this was simultaneous. I think initially when we had her as Monica, she was between gigs when okay. we first uh, brought her in in season two. Um, but yeah. So while we're talking about the the thing of the, the length of the pregnancy, we also have the issue of... Um, it said on a couple of occasions that she is six weeks early. Mm -hmm. And then at the beginning, she does say to somebody, I'm in the, I'm in the middle of my eighth month. This is that thing of uh, every writer, that, that writer's room was full of men where it's like, well, the baby takes nine months, exactly nine months times four weeks, that's 36 weeks. And it's like, no, that's the short end. Babies take actually 40, typically. It's actually closer to 10 months is the uh, normal gestation time for a human baby. So with this, if she's in the middle of her eighth month and thinks there's only six weeks to go, that means that she's only at like 30 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like because nine months times four weeks is 36 weeks. Six weeks early is 30 weeks. 30 weeks is a big medical problem like shit is scary, premature delivery. That is a er early baby. That is what, and I know it's an 80s sitcom, but as I was watching this, I was like, it's the Christmas episode. It's the one that's supposed to rip your heart out and show you the importance of family and all of that stuff. 
why didn't they make this a little more dramatical in the fact that she is six weeks early and then you get, oh, is the baby going to make it? Is is Fudge going to make it? <laughs> you know, like she's older. She's an older person, you know, well, so. and she's older. And the whole like you could have given Blair the the oh, my God, I forced her to have this baby kind of angle. Oh, yeah. And then Marge, if she's going to make it and then it's Christmas. So we have whatever. Boom. A miracle baby, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. On Christmas, because when they're all singing um, the first Noel to this kid through the window, um, which I love how they all start with their own voices and somehow meld into a choir. Angelic but, choir. Yeah. All a I choir and of, organ and organ that a church organ somehow crept into the waiting room there. Yes. The only thing I could think of is, and maybe I'm the only person that thought this, it's Christmas. This is a baby. And they're singing the first Noel. Why didn't they name that kid Noel? Oh, you're right. Yeah. The person voicing the child is named Noel. You're right. You are so right. Jesus. Bailey. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I love about that scene is that, like, they have only about maybe, I think. Kim Fields is the only one that's looking like she's enjoying it. Like everybody else is just not enjoying it. I mean, of course, Charlotte Ray is like doing her thing, but I mean, like Nancy McKee and Joe looks miserable. I think uh, uh, George Clooney just stopped singing. Uh, I mean, every they, they just look like this is really awkward, and they, you could tell that the actors are feeling awkward. It but is. Then, it's yeah. so weird. But, but Kim Fields is like full on like why yeah like she is like going at it but then you start i start looking at the other actors going what are they feeling and they just kind of peter out you know and and in general though nancy mckeon looks a little kind of bored in this episode too like she she just has a lot of you see her face a lot of times in the background just kind of like yeah joe 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 don't got a lot to do in this episode that's for sure she Um, did have that great comedic moment when she's like can i get you anything ah okay great i'll be right out here if you need me later yeah yeah (laughs) that was a great moment that was good and i like Uh, her her, with her gifts in the beginning you know being late with her gifts and punch them and beating them and being yeah 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 Yeah, that was that was barely a b plot that wasn't really anything it was just it was really just you know atmospheric humor Uh, the two things relating to your your rewrites, Matthew, which I totally agree with. Uh, we do have this weird scene where um, Blair says to Mrs. Garrett something about say a prayer, and Mrs. Garrett's like, "Oh, I already have." And then, <laughs> and yes, that was yes. verbatim. Yes, and yes. then Blair is like. Uh, well, I I was thinking of praying too. And Mrs. Garrett's like, we'll fucking do it. And Blair's like, it's weird. It's like calling up a friend you haven't talked to in 10 years and asking them to borrow something. And Mrs. Garrett has this line where she says, um, um, if you have something to ask, it's okay. God is listening. <laughs> and... This sort of weird thing, because Mrs. Garrett, we have just skimmed the surface and danced on Mrs. Garrett being religious and 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 not Jewish like Charlotte Ray. It's like clearly Christian religious. And um, 
it's interesting to have once again Lisa Welchel in a little crisis of faith. Uh, I should say Blair in a crisis of faith when we know that Lisa Welchel is <laughs> does not <laughs> have that going on in her life and never did. Um, so that is interesting. And one moment I will say I did love was when Monica and Blair are trimming the tree. And Monica says, well, this is a far cry from the galas I have every year. It's terrible. I don't get to do it this year because of my condition. And Blair says, well, I, I like this too. I kind of think I like this better. And that you think to yourself, oh yeah, this, this probably isn't. This is a moment that they did have the... The, the, the wherewithal to realize this is something they traditionally do not get to do together. And, uh, and I really did like that a lot. And their chemistry is so magnificent too. I was surprised that, you know, I thought maybe the actress would have said, oh, can I have an actual prayer? Can I do have that monologue moment where I do it? You know, I mean, I was surprised that, that they just went straight to like, oh, sorry, can't do it. I just figured, because, hey, I was going to Lisa Welchel Christian concerts during this time, you know, in 1985. So I knew how big she was into it. And, but I mean, I was just surprised that I figured she might ask to maybe have a little bit more to do with the prayer to God. But, but even in the syndication that I used to watch a lot, they even cut the God. Like oh, she did they? She doesn't, oh. even say, she doesn't get to say God. She just has this little moment where she kind of goes, and then they call her in. So she doesn't even say God, that one word, how much time that saves, but apparently it does, but she doesn't even get to say the word God, so. Yeah, and writing for your talent. You you know the writers would certainly understand and know how Christian Lisa Welchel was and is. And so even if it's not a, ah, to my personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ <laughs> Almighty. Yeah. I mean, you know, the TV would never go that crazy with it, right. but they certainly could have written a nice little, you know, no, I haven't heard it before. It's a trope. It's the, hey, I uh, haven't heard from me in a while, but <laughs> I could use a little help down here. And, yeah. you know, you know that she, like, you're right. She would have loved to do that. And I mean, who knows? Maybe it wasn't there, but it got cut for time. Who, who's yeah. to say? So another random moment that I love, Mackenzie Aston. Yeah. God love him. So cute. He, he is so adorable and he has one of the best line deliveries, I think, in the entire episode where he notices Monica being so pregnant and Blair being the expert, the trope that you were talking about, Matthew, having her say, well, she needs to sit down slowly. And right now the baby is resting on her bladder as well as uh, near her pancreas and it's crushing in on her intestines and blah, 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 blah. And Andy's response, so earnest, this is gross. Can I go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's what a 12 year old boy could and should say. And, you know, uh, when you're in the hospital, it gives them the best gift you could get at that time after being in the hospital for 24 hours, a little toothbrush and some mouthwash to, you know, because, yeah, it was a good, good little gift there. How cute is Zena's little Santa suit? Yeah. When I was a kid, oh my God. How cute is he showing up at 4.30 in the morning alone, a child? Where are your parents? parents? He doesn't have parents. He's just on the street. Doesn't matter. Nobody's looking after him. Who dropped it? Who's like, ah, put on a... It's Christmas morning, my child. What do you want to do? Do you want to open it? Nah, I want to... My friends, you know that store where I hang out with the girls? Yeah. (laughs) 
One of them's mom's having a baby. Could we go and rent a, a child-sized Santa suit and then go to the drugstore, buy them toothbrushes and toothpaste and mouthwash, and then put them into boxes and wrap them up and then drop them off? It's like, this is this is a really fucking thoughtful uh, deed on the part of Andy, I have got to say. Well, and where are they? Because Joe wants to go home and George says, you can catch the next train back. They got on a train to get there? Where? Uh, no, no, no. I think he means to going home to the Bronx. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Because when he said you could get the next train back, I was like, I don't know where they're going or where they're at anymore. No. Like they might as well have had them like, oh, all the hospitals are full. Here we are at a vet. You know yeah. what I oh, mean? Like, oh, that'd have been cool. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett, you used to be a registered nurse. It was for a veterinarian. Yeah. Should and I expel her <laughs> anal glands? Oh. <laughs> One line too far, David. One line. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do do you, I maybe I'm a horrible person, but like, you know, they all had their tickets to go home. They're about to go home for Christmas. And then Monica goes in labor. I kind of would be like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'll be praying for you. Have a good time. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that phone call. Peace out. <laughs> yeah, because they're all just like, we're just kind of like, you can go home. Like, well, she might not forgive me. I'm like, what? I'm like, it's Christmas. I got to go. Yeah. We'll have your baby. I can't do anything for you. We have families. We're we're running a damn shop, and the only reason we can close up shop is because it's it's Christmas break for the schools. Yeah, so good. So no one is minding the store, but no one needs to. I mean, the girls going skiing. Tootie's got to go. You know, let's go. Like, yeah, baby. People have babies all the time. Not necessarily if we're having the very special episode that Matthew wants, where there's death and people and all that. But you know, on the brink of, but, um, you know. You people are never again allowed to say, oh, when I get old, I just want to have a group of friends like the Golden Girls, okay? <laughs> if you're all bitch like, peace out, bitches, it's Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to my real family. You are no longer allowed to say you want <laughs> friendships like the Golden Girls or Facts of Life. Well, I mean, you can come home with me. I just don't want to miss out on Christmas, you know. <laughs> Well, the team, with Golden Girls, all their families are mostly dead. I mean, let's get real. So <laughs> just a random comment. TV trope, uh, natural childbirth was still a big thing. Once the hippie movement hit in the 70s, everything, natural childbirth, natural childbirth. And then somehow there's a point later where Monica's in the hospital screaming, ah, and she's saying, give me ether. <laughs> I'm like, ether? I know. Does, does, does that kill is it ether like what they used in the 30s like old 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 yeah yeah, yeah. they had i mean they had morphine yeah. um and you know epidurals i don't think were a thing epidurals came later in but, the uh in the syndicated version i always go back to that because i kind of grew up on that because i'd watch it you know after school all the time you didn't get all the exchange with her and blair when she's like telling her to shut up and stuff you, oh you got her, you, you got her just saying I hate you. And it's funny. She's like, and, and that it was funny. And that was it. But now you get all these little extra things of, you know, shut up. And I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. And then th- that was cut. So I mm-hmm. think it was, it's always kind of fun to find these little gems that I never saw, you know, growing up on cable television. But, yes. You know, runs. Yeah. The line that actually is there is it's, it's quite beautifully delivered by Marge is, dear, there's something I have to tell you. And I hope you won't take it wrong. 
I hate you. <laughs> she does it great. She does perfectly, it great. perfectly right. delivered. Um, what else is uh, the doctor? Another again, are we in fucking Mayberry? He's not talking with a Southern accent, but Monica says, oh, what was I thinking having a baby at this age? And he says, well, I say if the car still runs, get as much mileage out of her as you can. And uh, then he says, uh, well, the, you know, you're fine. Everything's healthy. Uh, when it's time for the baby to come, the nurse is going to going to beep me. I think he says he's going to he's going to beep him. Uh, in the meantime, it's Christmas. He's going to the cafeteria potluck. Someone made tuna fish snowballs. <sighs> yeah. 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 And he says the nurse is going to check the monitor and tell him when to come back. But then he says the nurse, the exact same name, made the snowballs and is down there at the party. So it's like, yeah. who's, who's going to check the, the, the paper? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I it's, yeah, but then, well, Natalie is reading that book. She finds a random book about childbirth or something, doesn't she? Yeah. The, the waiting room boredom game that they all have to play. It's kind of like, eh, you're, you're totally right, Matthew, that that could have been so much more fraught. They could have had so much more intensity that they could have played. Um, well, and just speaking to Paul's, um, maybe it wouldn't have kept Paul there, but, you know, that would have been a reason for them to stay that, mm -hmm. you know, worried that Marge was going to die or that the baby was not going to make it. But I mean, you know, Paul would still leave. Oh, but yeah, but my, my Southwest flight, I had drink coupons like I would be out, <laughs> I would be out there. Yeah, but, um, oh. you know, but you could let me know how it went. Amazing. But uh, yeah, so then the baby does come. We have this thing of what are we going to name her? And uh, then when Blair comes out and reports that, you know, the baby is born, they're like, great. Can we see it? And she's like, nope, not visiting hours. Yeah, what's that? There's nobody else in this fucking hospital. And Tootie says that. She says, I say we storm it. And they can't, they, it's like, you know, they can't kill all of us kind of a thing, you know? It's like, I fuck it. It's like, bitch, Get the baby and bring it out here and show us you're in the next room. <laughs> and we have been here all night. We could have we could have gotten this news at home. Girl. Yeah, I didn't stay up here all night on Christmas morning and not see that bastard kid <laughs> open the window and let's sing a Christian Christmas carol at that thing. Yeah. But Mrs. Garrett does say, no, it's OK. We'll go back home, open our gifts and have a really Big breakfast with special cookies and then come back later. And so then we have the scene, the naming of the baby scene. So we presume it is now later where and Fudge is beautifully draped in her oh. thing. I mean, you know, you know that they packed, she had that packed already, but still, I mean, she looks gorgeous, you know. Yeah, they, they tousled her hair the tiniest bit. It just it's just like there's like okay if we have three hairs out of place yeah that is what's going to tell us that this is a woman that just you know pushed a watermelon through the eye of a needle <laughs> between her legs i have to wonder though if they were like okay we're gonna muss you up and they went and marge went that's enough yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah, coming from yeah, where she that's came good. From. I'm still gonna be on TV, so yeah. let's not go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I still have an image for Christ's <laughs> sake. 
<laughs> I love her. God, I love her. I do too. She's I do too. So fucking good and every really she, sad when she passed away. I remember I was really sad. I had yeah moments. She was great. She was great. You know, she had a son die of AIDS. No, I didn't know that. She did. Mm-hmm. Not till 93. That. So she's not going through that right now in this episode or anything. But wow. I just all I could think at the end was like why they didn't name that kid Noel. Honest to God, just yeah, complete when, waste. And if they weren't gonna do that, they might as well have sung, Won't you come home, sweet baby? Won't you come, come home? home. At the window. <laughs> yeah, at the window, that would have made Bailey. Sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, let's Bailey. celebrate little Bailey by having some Irish cream. <laughs> but then after we do decide on the name when it is uh determined. This is now supposedly the later where everyone shows up. And then you just hear from another place, the first Noel. And they open up the window. They like the, the viewing window or something, which is next to the door where you could open the door and say hi to them. Uh, and it's the entire gang, including Andy, including George, all of them singing. Now they were supposed to have gone home and come back, right? And yeah, but they're like all in their same clothes. Like if I went home, I would have changed out of the clothes I've been in all night long, not eaten pancakes and bacon, then gone right back to the hospital. Like I would have. You also would be halfway across the country, Paul. So maybe <laughs> this is true. I'd be in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and then, as we said before, what starts as the the gang singing just Acapulco in their own voices, somehow we start hearing some harmonies and they're tight, good harmonies. And slowly it morphs and it's expertly done, I will say, in the mixing of the sound, where suddenly we're listening to a group of studio singers singing this song in perfect acapella harmony. And then a church organ just swells up underneath them and is playing because they have church organs in the hospital. And, and I think that's where they like, oh, and this is going to tug at their heartstrings. Oh, this is going to be the tear in the eye moment. And you're like, oh, baby was born and they're singing now. It's Christmas. Okay. All right. We'll hear from her in about six weeks when she turns four. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> that's true. That's true. Mm. The next time we see Bailey, she's like three or four or something like that, isn't she? Well, no, they have the one, the concentration one that comes up. Oh, that's right. Before we go, Paul, um, Matthew and I and you, we know that your favorite show, Facts of Life. Um, So uh, what shows you watch lately? Just throw something out there. I was talking with Matthew about this the other day that I just find myself going back to things I've seen you know, in the pandemic, like it's just something that's comfortable and fine. And I just don't seem to have the mental energy to start anything major. You know what I mean? So I've been watching, like I've watched Who's the Boss like for like a month, you know? I know, but I mean, but it was just like, eh, but you know, but you start seeing things that are like, I mean, that was show is not very good, you know what I mean? But as a kid, you know, I watched it all the time. Yeah. Um, But you know, but so I have been watching um, with my parents had never seen Friends before, ever. Ever. So um, they um, just got started on that and they've, they're really enjoying it. I actually never watched Friends either because uh, when it came out, I was 
going to school in New York and trying to have a job. And then I moved to LA when, when they were just starting to get big. I was working at a Starbucks when they would come in for their coffees because they were still like on season two at that time and they were still doing that. Uh, but then that quickly changed um, very quickly. So uh, yeah. I was just working. So I never got to really experience the friends world. And then I moved back to New York and I had to work even more to survive. So I wasn't like, let's watch TV. I was working at a video store till midnight and then getting on an F train for an hour, you know, but, um, but so it's been, it's been enjoyable to watch with my parents. They are laughing a lot and, uh, and I actually just enjoy watching them laughing at the show. So that's kind of fun. Uh, how about you, Matthew, watching anything? My anxiety, um, like you, it's like, I need to watch things. Like I'll put the office on and just let it play. Mm -hmm. I will put, um, cause the first five seasons are free on Peacock. Well, Paul, I'm so glad we were able to bring you back again. Multi-time multi friend of the podcast. I, you know, I just, like I said, it's always uh, comforting to know that there are other people like me. You know, when growing up, I had no idea that I was the only crazy person that loved this show so much. So this is always a joy and always mm -hmm. a pleasure to see you guys. I've missed you and uh, hopefully I'll see you in person here in the next couple months. Yes, yes. You, he, Paul was telling us he has secured a gig here in town so he will be temporarily here towards the end of the year maybe maybe we can have a christmas get together and have some eggnog and special, special cookies. christmas cookies <laughs> Matthew, i promise i'll stay i'll promise i'll stay i will not leave if something bad happens i will stay at the party if something happens if we have to go to the emergency room i'll be we there. will take you we I will, will we will take you drop you off probably yeah. slow the car down even yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, my love. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we'll be talking again really, really soon. And uh, until then, smooches and goodbye. Bye, guys. Have a great time. And there you have it. That was Paul Padilla. Uh, two points I uh, want to follow up on. First was how Paul said that he believed that the voice of Bailey was also the voice of the caller Marilyn in season six, episode 10, Talk, 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 when Mrs. Garrett has to awkwardly give advice to a caller asking if she should have sex with her boyfriend. Um, I did go back and listen, and it does sound very, very similar. So let's actually have a listen to it, huh? Here is Bailey. Who is that masked woman? I'll give you a hint. She wants to know if this outfit comes in other colors. <laughs> of course, Blair. And here is Marilyn on the call-in show from last season. I'm Marilyn. My boyfriend wants me to go with him on a camping trip. Oh, that's great. Camping with a friend can mean many happy memories. He wants me to sleep with him. Though memories can be ugly and haunt you till death. <laughs> I mean, come on, that that is a match. That I I don't think there is any question that that is the same voice. Paul said he has nothing to go by other than his own ears, and to him, it's like the same. And I have to say, I have to agree with him. So uh, there it is. Uh, I'm gonna say that it is truth and it is canon until somebody proves it to be otherwise. It is just interesting that Noelle North didn't receive credit for this role last season on The Call-In Show. Very strange. Anyway, 
The other thing is that Paul mentioned in passing that he had worked in a video store in New York in his early days post-college hustling, being a young working actor. And uh, I forgot to ask him about this, but he made a comment on one of the Facebook posts that I want to read. Regarding season seven, episode 11, We Get Letters, two weeks ago, which featured uh, actress Anne Jackson. We talked about her and her husband, Eli Wallach, also a very famous character actor. Paul commented on the photo saying, and I quote, Anne and I were buds. I was her neighborhood video store clerk at her local Champagne Video in New York City. We loved to chat about the theater and film. She was a class act. Eli was also a joy to talk to. Good people, good memories. <laughs> Paul Padilla knew Ann Jackson and Eli Wallach. How cool is that? And uh, apologies that I didn't ask him to talk about it anymore. Maybe I'll remember it next time he's on the show, but we all know um, I probably will forget. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be watching Season 7, Episode 14, Tootie Drives. You can watch the show ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com and or on the Roku channel. I will post links in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for this week, guys. Thank you again so much for listening. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.